Emotional eating plays a huge role in Australia's obesity epidemic. It is, seems to be that 83% of individuals who are obese or overweight are emotionally eating. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, looking in the fridge, looking in your cupboard when you're feeling upset due to a job loss, due to a divorce, due to some type of emotional event that occurred in your life, your head is stuck in the fridge. If that is you, you need to listen to today's episode because I'm going to be talking about all things emotional eating. I'm going to go through what is emotional eating, why do we emotionally eat, and then I'm going to provide you with three tips on how to handle emotional eating. Let's get into it. It's Mondays with Mahela. That's right, me. Thank you so much for tuning in. I absolutely love, love, love and appreciate your support. It's Mondays with Mahela, which means today I'm going to be talking about all things health hacks to give you information so you can live your optimal health life story. Today's episode is part of the Natural Health Podcast, which is available on YouTube, as per this, Spotify if you're listening to the audio version and so forth. For any of you who don't know me, my name is Mahela and I'm a qualified naturopath here, passionate, absolutely passionate about all things health, business and overall success to provide you with simple, savvy and sustainable health hacks to optimize your health. So I thought I will talk about today's topic, which is emotional eating. It is a bit of a heavy topic. I want to put it out there that I'm not an expert in emotional eating. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a um, whatever else you want to call it. I'm a naturopath and I'm going to be looking at it from my perspective, from my knowledge that I can share with you. It is not advice. It is just information provided to you. And uh, which I'll mention at the end, if you do suffer from any type of eating disorders, please contact a healthcare professional. So let's get into it. What is emotional eating? Well, I don't know about you, but I know that I do emotionally eat at some stages. I ha- or I have at some stage of my life, right? I remember, you know, where, when you're upset at work and something happened and you'll come home and you're like, ooh, all those carbohydrates look absolutely amazing, don't they? That is emotional eating because I was trying to fulfill myself with food, you know, um, or in regards to an argument with a partner or with a friend, anything along those lines, I have been guilty of it. And I know I recently watched a video of Rebel Wilson with her weight loss journey, which is absolutely amazing and good on her, so proud of her. She mentioned in there that she did suffer from emotional eating. And when she got in touch with herself and understood why she emotionally ate, she was able to shed all those pounds. So there's so many things that this may, you know, affect your life with. But what is it? What is emotional eating? Well, let's put it out there. Food attachment is not your fault, right? It may be a result due to childhood trauma, the biochemical effects of certain comfort foods, and the way your biology is designed to protect against starvation, right? You may know the feeling, right? You're dealing with a stressful situation at work, and you automatically reach for a cookie or the whole jar, the whole cookie jar, to calm yourself down and make yourself feel better. 
or you go for a third helping at a dinner when you are already full. You go for seconds, thirds, fourth, but you are already full. This behavior is known as emotional eating. And when you eat to make yourself feel better and avoid feelings of difficult emotions, which is quite an interesting um, definition right there, right? Eating this way is problematic. It is an issue and it needs to be addressed, right? It's an issue because it stops you from actually working through and progressing painful feelings of past traumas. And you may also feel guilt or shame during these emotional eating episodes, as you may call them. And then also what can happen is if you're trying to lose weight, emotional eating is not going to help. It's going to hinder your progress, right? So that is in a nutshell, kind of what emotional eating is, but I'm going to go into a lot more detail in it when I talk about why it happens. So let's get into it now. Why do we emotionally eat, right? If we knew the answer to this 100%, so many issues, so many things would be solved right now. For each individual, it is different, right? The way, the way I emotionally eat compared to the way you may emotionally eat or someone you know is completely different because there's different needs why we are doing that, right? But most health experts would agree that the current Western diet is one of the main causes for overeating and weight gain, right? It is loaded with, right? It's absolutely loaded with, we could make all these delicious, fatty, fibrous foods of animal origin, as well as processed foods, artificially concentrated with fat, sugar, flour, and salt. And this combination just makes it just amazingly yummy, for your belly and for your brain, which gets addictive, right? They act as drugs that stimulate the release of powerful feel-good chemicals in the pleasure center of the brain. It's kind of like, I'm feeling amazing after eating all of these cheese, after eating all these carbohydrates, all of this chocolate. I feel so good inside of me because it's triggering and drug-like effect in my brain, right? This pleasure is absolutely pleasure, right? They're highly pleasing and calming, right? And they can throw off our biochemical signaling system and lead to cravings and food addictions because we're going to be like, oh, remember that time that I ate that heavy carbohydrate meal, that amazing pasta with all that cheese? I felt so good. I felt so calm after it. So next time you're stressed out, you have a stressful time at work, you go, oh, that pasta with all that cheese that looks and sounds and feels absolutely amazing. I'm gonna go do that again because last time it made me feel calm and I went to sleep, right? So it can require huge, huge resistance, a huge effort for us to resist these foods once we've been exposed to them, once we have linked them to an emotion, right? Because these vegetables don't seem too appealing then, right? But you probably already know which foods uh, you tend to be more compulsive with. And most likely, these foods are not your usual broccoli, cauliflower, and so forth. They're most likely going to be these processed, heavy carbohydrates, heavy fat foods that just taste absolutely amazing, right? The thing is, what will happen is, if you do feel addictive urges with food, most likely these highly compatible foods, highly processed foods, let's name a few, right? Nut, uh, pastries, crackers, bread, cheese, ice cream, cream, chocolate, carbohydrates, and so forth. They will trigger in us a powerful drive to seek 
continued stimulation and they compete with our conscious ability to say no, which means it makes it so much harder to be like, oh no, yeah, no, I'm not going to have that bowl of amazing yummy pasta. I'll just have a bowl of salad. That is very hard to do, right? What you actually may not know and what research supports that addictive urges and desires originated in neurological circuits that were programmed into your brain a long, long time ago when you were actually a kid, which is absolutely crazy, right? According to an author uh, of The Realm of Hungry Ghosts, He mentions in there saying the addictive urge actually represents a dopamine or endorphin hunger in the part of the brain system that early in your life lacked the necessary conditioning to full development. It also represents emotional needs that were unsatisfied. Wow, that is crazy. So he's saying there that you may have lacked something earlier in your life and therefore now you're fulfilling it, right? Also mentions in there, the three environmental conditions absolutely essential to optimal brain development are one, proper nutrition, two, physical security, three, consistent emotional nurturance, right? Emotional nurturance is an absolute requirement for healthy neurobiological brain development. So it's a lot deeper than just food. That's all I've got to say. I know this podcast is like, whoa, I'm going deep right now. Like the thing is, right, the adult voice in your childhood, if they were primary, so what this book is saying is the voices in your adult, in your childhood, if they were primary, nurturing, warm, kind, loving, soothing, and so forth, your brain had the greatest chance of all systems developing in an optimal way. On the other hand, if they were lacking sufficient nutrients um, and these experiences that you provide with the parents or caregivers weren't that great, your brain may have been formed, may have not been formed properly in regards to these connections, right? And keep in mind, in many cases, it's not a question of bad experiences in your childhood. So you might be like, my childhood was absolutely amazing. I had absolutely no no bad experiences. It's not that. It is a lack of consistent nurturing and attuned experiences, right? So it's, it's, it's all about ongoing, ever-loving, right? So according to this individual also, what he said is that as infants and small children, we need to be in an attachment relationship with at least one reliable, available, protective, physiological, present, and reasonably non-stressed out adult. Wow. That's amazing for us future parents or current parents to know that. Are you a readily available, protective, physiologically present, and reasonably non-stressed out adult. Because if you are, you're setting your child up for success, right? So now we can kind of see where the connection between food addiction and emotional eating kind of goes in line, right? So new brain research actually confirms that addictive desires, urges, or thoughts stem from insufficient nurturing early in our lives that causes imbalances in our brain chemistry. These addictive cravings are easily triggered when we are stressed, fatigued, unhappy, bored, or experiencing um, a number of unpleasant emotion emotions, right? Uh, so these can be triggered and they will surge us to get a dopamine rush on endorphin hunger, right? So this is not actual hunger. It's emotional hunger. It's emotional eating. 
However, let's look at the good news, right? We know there is some good news to this because we know of this thing called neuroplasticity. This is an absolutely amazing thing. What that refers to is the brain's ability to reconfigure itself to establish and dissolve connections between its different parts. We can actually learn how to use the brain's inherent architecture and formal capacity to recreate ourselves and change our habits. We literally have all that we need to change what has occurred because of this thing called neuroplasticity. And it goes so deeper, so much deeper that, you know, you can go see a uh, alternative counselor, a hypnotherapist, a breathing facilitator, a so forth, an NPL coach and so forth, that may be able to, you trust in, that may be able to work with you to reprogram that wiring in your brain. And then maybe that emotional eating will just go away. I know it seems a magic, but who knows, right? Our brain is so powerful. We don't even understand a little bit of what our brain can do. And I'm pretty sure you've been exposed to so many things in your life where you're like, my brain is absolutely amazing. Remember that. Because if you do suffer let's say from emotional eating it is definitely something that you know you you are able to work along with and for the better and change if you want to right so what i also wanted to look at so that was the part of like a psychologist talking um in a sense of why we may be emotionally eating but let's look at the brain right and let's look at the body so in addition to understanding why we emotionally eat we need to understand our hormones right i'm always talking and blabbing on about hormones but these are so important and also so important in emotional eating right because a number of wide variety of hormones can cause someone to cave in to emotional eating given the fact that hormones control a lot of our feelings and actions it can be hard to defeat go against these cravings. So here I'm going to talk about some hormones that may be responsible for emotional eating. Let's get into them. Number one, one of my favorite hormones is cortisol. I love cortisol. When you know what cortisol does to your body, you're going to fall in love with it too. And you're going to know when it's coming up in your body and know what to do. But how is it linked to hunger, right? High levels of stress cause a lot of cortisol to be released within the body, right? Cortisol, as we know, is the stress hormone that sets off the whole body on edge triggered by the fight or flight response, right? This can cause the body to progress, to process consumed food differently. So basically, high levels of cortisol within the body can cause the body to crave a lot of easy to process, unhealthy carbohydrates. And you may feel a strong desire to eat very sugary processed foods, fatty foods, or high salty foods, right? So think about the last time that you were pretty stressed out. Right, you had this huge, huge, huge project there to complete for work. What type of food were you craving? Well, I know that when this happens to me, I crave pasta. I crave so much pasta. Give me pasta and pizza and that's all I need, right? Why? Because my cortisol is through the roof and I'm craving these high sugary foods that can process and potentially my body give it energy and convert it to glucose with a click of fingers straight away. 
Right, now that's the first one, that's cortisol. I could go into so much more detail about how cortisol actually affects emotional eating and the brain and so forth, but that's like one whole episode in itself. I'm just touching upon some here for you to get a bit of an understanding. Second one, let's get into the second one. I love this one too, I absolutely love this one because thanks to this hormone, I'm here standing in front of you, in front of the camera and presenting this podcast. And that is dopamine. I'm motivated to do this podcast for you guys. So this is a neurotransmitter and a hormone that plays several important roles in the brain and the body, right? Essentially, it helps the brain receive a positive kick through reward-based learning. It's kind of like uh, the whole you're going to get rewarded when you do this. That's your dopamine. That's your motivation, right? When you eat foods you enjoy, basically these less healthy ones that you consider to be comfort foods, the brain recognizes this as a reward and releases a rush of dopamine, okay? This creates a high, like a high on food sort of feeling that makes it easy to crave the foods again and again and again. It's kind of like a drug to the brain. And even if it's not an extreme narcotic or so forth, it can still be addictive, right? This is all my, all my chocolate people. Put your hands up. This is you guys, you girls out there. This is where dopamine comes in. When you're, you know, feeling a little bit like, oh, under the weather, not motivated, get that chocolate, gives you that high, you're like, I love it, I wanna get that chocolate again, because I remember last time I had that chocolate, I felt amazing. Right, let's get into the next one. The third one is serotonin, right? Serotonin, similar to dopamine, is also a neurotransmitter and a hormone, and it helps regulate sleep and appetite. So what did I say, helps regulate sleep and appetite. If you don't sleep well, your appetite goes up, right? There's a link there. And it also regulates your appetite. Appetite's directly linked to emotional eating, right? It also controls your mood and inhibits pain. So interesting, right? So about 90%, even some people say 95% of our serotonin is found and is, is produced in our gastrointestinal tract. And it is lined, our gastrointestinal line is lined with hundreds of millions of nerve cells and which are also called neurons. It makes sense that the inner workings of your digestive system don't just help you digest food, but also guide your emotions. How are you feeling? That It's kind of like when they say, you have a gut feeling, right? It makes sense. So what happens is uh, the function of these neurons that produce neurotransmitters like serotonin, it's highly influenced by billions of good bacteria that make up your gastrointestinal microbiome. So I wanted to put in there saying, if your gut's not well, your serotonin levels aren't gonna be well, which then may impact your emotional eating. Well, that's a whole new topic, right? If your bugs aren't well in your stomach and your gastrointestinal tract, you may actually be emotional eating. What is your gut like? What is the state of your gut like? Is it producing enough serotonin that you require, right? Because, so then also what I want to put in there is serotonin needs certain compounds to be created, one of them being tri triotophan, which is an amino acid found in 
um, chocolate <laughs> in other things too, but one of them is chocolate. I keep going back to chocolate, right? But carbs also boost serotonin, leading you to desire that stuffed potato chips and mac and cheese into your mouth and solve the feelings of sadness, right? Unfortunately, with this, is it's a temporary boost. Like if you're feeling emotional, you're not you're feeling a little bit under the weather. You're gonna get that hot chips, the potato chips. You're gonna eat it. You're gonna get that rush of other serotonin, dopamine, both and so forth and then you're gonna be like ah hmm well what do I do now so then you have a choice you either eat more of it or you actually resolve the issue as to what you're feeling and why you're feeling it right now why does the brain trigger emotional eating well it could be a number of things let's get into why it may trigger it right the first one that I wanted to put in there is we are made like that it's primal okay so if we go back 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 in the days what it is is the first thing to remember is that emotional eating is not your fault right it is not your fault and it's something you can do something about it okay your biology drives your behavior food yeah eat everything in case it becomes scarce right so back in the days we food wasn't just available at the shops right people had to hunt and gather right so if there was so much food available in front of you what would happen is you would eat all of it because one you never know when you're going to eat it next two it's a, right in front of you why would you leave it you don't have a refrigerator to put it in if you don't eat it someone else is going to eat it right and you need it for survival so it comes back to the primal i should have probably put this at the start but it's primal it is primal when we see food in front of us eat it all eat all of it in front of us but this doesn't work these days because if we go to an all you can eat restaurant we may eat all you can eat but then tomorrow you're still gonna have food you're still gonna have that all you can eat restaurant open that you can go to Back in the days, that was not the option. Back in the days, you only had that all you can eat when you work out, you run, you physically exert yourself, so then you can get that food. That's not happening these days. We have access, well, fortunately enough, we have access, most of us have access to food like this. I can literally get on my phone, dial it in, order the food in, and there it is, right? We have access to food at any given time these days. It's not like back in the days. So this is where sometimes our primal state may get a bit of a uh, mismatch because we may be like, oh, well, it's, well it's, I have to eat all of it because if I don't if I don't eat it, someone else will, and who knows when I'm going to get food next, right? So we may have to work on that because that is definitely not the case anymore. The second one is trauma, and I've touched upon this a little bit at the start, right? In particular, childhood trauma. I know a number of individuals talk about childhood trauma and so forth, and the thing, that the fact is, you can't go back. You can only be in the now, right? You can only be in the now. So what does that mean, right? So people may engage in unhealthy behaviors like emotional eating to push away painful emotion stress caused by trauma a traumatic experience can actually rewire your brain and this is what we need to understand if you have been experienced a traumatic event whatever that is it may not be traumatic to someone else but if it is traumatic to you it is a traumatic event i want you to know that right because it can cause your brain to rewire if it is not emotional eating it may be something else right 
Studies have actually shown that trauma can shrink the hippocampus and the prefrontal cortex, the parts of the brain that regulate emotion. It makes it smaller so we cannot regulate our emotions. When we can't regulate our emotions, we go and eat that chips, that pizza, that pasta, yummy, 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 right? Trauma also triggers an overproduction of stress hormones, cortisol. What happens when you have high cortisol? You're more likely to emotionally eat, which keeps you in a state of high alert where you're like, what's happening? What's happening, right? When you're feeling stressed and anxious, you're more likely to overindulge and eat without thinking and eat emotionally. That may be a reason why, right? The next one is nostalgia. Torgia, I think that's how you pronounce it, right? So this is old eating habits or foods you enjoyed as a child can be craved during difficult times as they provide a sense of safety and security. I fall into this, right? Because my mom's an absolutely amazing cook. As a kid, you would eat this and you would eat that and you'll link it to this amazing event that happens, amazing feeling. And you're like, oh my God, I love it so much. Or for example, when I go back to see my grandma and so forth, I'm like, oh, I love when she cooks this. It's a connection, right? It's a connection that we have with that food otherwise we wouldn't eat it so we want to go back to that feeling of being cradled in our mother's arms feeling of love safety and security so we can so we can so we reach for foods which mimic that early biochemical experience of bonding with mum and drinking breast milk which is crazy right so the worst actual the worst foods in a sense that mimic this are sugar gluten, dairy, and food additives such as MSG. I did a huge podcast on MSG. Check it out, right? So these are the things that may happen, right? So sugar hits the reward circuits of the brain while gluten and dairy break down into an opiate-like substance called glutomorphine and casomorphine, which act on the opiate receptors. So if you're thinking, oh, I'm really addicted to cheese, well, you actually are. You probably are addicted to cheese because it's an addictive substance. Or if you're addicted to bread, oh my gosh, all my bread lovers out there, right? It may, it, it's actually true. It's actually a true thing, right? The other one I thought I'd put in there is social pressure may cause you to emotionally eat, right? Friends, family, and other people that you may know who conceive you to eat certain foods or meals after troubling days uh, seem harmless and helpful, right? But then you may find yourself automatically wanting to carry on these traditions alone after a rough patch, right? For example, you go and your mate chucks a huge barbie, right? You eat all this food and all that, and you just do it yourself the next day again and again because you're craving that feeling, you're craving that emotion and so forth, right? So now we kind of, so let's just sum up what I've just spoken about, right? At the start, I spoke a little bit about what psychologists say in regards to emotional eating and so forth, how it may be due to, uh, as a child, uh, how you were raised up and so forth. And then we went and said, you know, we've got neuroplasticity, which can solve this. It's amazing the power is in your hands, right? And then we spoke about hormones where your body may be out of whack and what may be happening and your brain will got rewired and so forth, right? Now, let's talk about three tips how you may be able to overcome emotional eating. Let's get into it. Number one, 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 one. 
right? Number one is understand your emotional triggers. What is your emotional trigger? Is it one, your work? It just stresses you out. Is it that food that you're craving as a child? Is it that you don't want to, every time you feel emotions coming up, you put food in your mouth? Is it scarcity? Is it, I don't know, someone you see? Is it a certain food? What is your emotional trigger? Is it when you're feeling lonely or rejected? It's a great idea to eat food, right? This is where it is best to touch base with a healthcare professional who understands emotional eating that may be able to assist you, right? Number two is get your sleep. I'm always talking about sleep. I have so many podcast episodes on sleep, right? Sleep regulates the hormones involved in appetite, satiety, metabolism. Most of those hormones that I spoke about earlier are regulated by sleep, have an impact by sleep if you don't sleep well, right? Number three is understand and recognize the difference between real hunger and emotional hunger. It's kind of like, what is emotional hunger? What does it feel like when I'm emotionally hungry? Do I get feelings in my belly? Does my belly rumble? Do I get that feeling in my throat? What does it feel to have real hunger? Am I salivating? Am I looking at food? Am I actually hungry? When was the last time I ate? Right. So this is where it's absolutely amazing to keep a journal where you can understand your emotional triggers. You can understand how much sleep you've had and you can also understand the difference between is this real hunger or is this emotional hunger? I do want to put it out there. I am not an emotional eating expert. If you find yourself struggling or fighting emotional eating, reach out to a therapist, mental health professional, or someone who's a specialist in emotional eating or disordered eating. They'll be able to assist you. But I hope that today's episode made you think and be like, Ooh, it may be that event that happened in my childhood, or it may be that certain food, or it might just be my work, it might be the cortisol, it might be my serotonin, my dopamine, it may be so many different things, just think about it, I'm all about planting seeds, and that's what exactly I'm doing today. Well, if you have any questions, please, 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 please contact me at mahala.raguz on Instagram, and I'll get in touch with you. I hope I shed some light to today's absolutely amazing, amazing topic emotional eating i'm i have been there a number of individuals have been there get it straight get it right so you can reach optimal health do what you do best love like share rate review the natural health podcast until next monday love you 